Now, the making of a good compilation tape is a very subtle art. Are you ready? Yes. No, babe, are you ready? Do you know what a cassette is? Play it. Don't you want to hear what's next? I don't hear any music. I made that tape special for today. So, music? A show where we basically create a mixtape for you, like we did in the 90s. I just, I thought this tape was going to be a conversation stimulator. Cassette, cassette, cassette. Welcome to the mixtape. Every week we are serving up an hour-long mixtape. 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 90.3 KRNU, welcome to The Mixtape. The Mixtape is a weekly show, hour-long, and we basically make a mixtape for you about a variety of things. Maybe it's a genre, maybe it's a holiday, and today it's a location, a very exciting location, and I'm joined by Barney McCoy. So, Barney, you want to give everybody your full title? Sure, I'm a professor here in the College of Journalism, and my background is documentary broadcast and multimedia. When I kind of look at the mixtape episodes and what we want to do, you and I talked about a lot of different things because you love music. You're very into a lot of different kinds of music. Why Laurel Canyon for you? You know, I grew up basically in the 60s. I was born in 1955, so I was a teenager in the 60s, and all of these evolving sounds were popping up from around the country. And uh, there were these spots, though, and one of those spots where you just had, you know, we talk about Laurel Canyon, which, by the way, it's on the northwest side of Los Angeles, kind of up in the Hollywood Hills area, Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with that from seeing the Hollywood side, (laughs) Santa Monica uh, Mountains. But that, that was one of those locations where musicians who came to the West Coast who wanted to be part of an already established music scene could come and live inexpensively and live in very close proximity to each other. And there was this metamorphosis that took place as all these musical influences, uh, folk and country and evolving rock, rockabilly, were all kind of coming together. And from that metamorphosis, you had a lot of incredible songs and very talented musicians and performers and even music agents who lived up in that kind of Laurel Canyon area. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because there were two movies recently, so Bohemian Rhapsody and then Rocket Man, that both came out about Queen and about Elton John and both reference and have a lot of the same kind of cast of characters from Laurel Canyon. Neither one of those bands, a U.S. band, when, when they came over and toured, Laurel Canyon was just the spot. It was where everybody was. Yeah. And we will get to her later, but it's where Mama <laughs> Cass lived. And, and she was kind <laughs> of the epicenter. I'd say if we if we talk about seminal figures, there are probably three that I think of specifically. Mama Cass was certainly one of those three figures. She was dominant. She had a house where everyone would gather and they would have these meals and they would hang out in the yard. So you had all this, you know, this is the way it was described. It's like we played music together. We sometimes slept together. Mm-hmm. We did drugs together. But there was this whole evolution, and these were young musicians and people who were coming, and they were coming off the road, and they had a dream, and they had a vision, and and part of that dream was fulfilled in Laurel Canyon. It's like a wealthy musical commune. Right. Yeah. Really, but yeah. The first song you chose to get into this Laurel Canyon episode of the mixtape was from Frank Zappa. So let's talk a little bit about Frank. I don't think people know a lot about him other than he was just kind of a zany character. Yeah, and he was really kind of for he was not mainstream uh, music. He was. And, you know, even on the FM side, which was supposedly the underground of of radio uh, music, uh, you know, he was, but he was brilliant. And he was a producer. He was an incredible musician. He, but he was so creative and he was kind of slightly off the center. 
Yeah. But everyone recognized his genius, who was truly a musician or a composer out there. And so he was the first, one of the first figures that really said, you know, he had a house up in Laurel Canyon, up in the Lookout Mountain area. Mm-hmm. And that kind of became the beginning of some of these influences that were coming in, and they could buy a house inexpensively. I think Joni Mitchell said she bought her first house out there for like $36,000. (laughs) Today it's probably millions of dollars. But, you know, again, that was one reason why it was a place where where these musicians could come, because they could live there inexpensively. They were in close proximity Proximity to to each other and and to Los Angeles. the uh, the troubadour was just down the road, uh, you know, where they could go hang out and they would jam and they would meet each other. And again, you just had all this mingling going on. But there was this great comfort zone in this place called Los Angeles that can be really cruel and, and chew up and spit out musicians. And a lot of these Laurel Canyon artists have sort of that free love thing going on. Frank Zappa brings this very East Coast thing like yeah um, listen that's that's all well and good but let's get into some art that really speaks to where he came from he came from baltimore he's like i'm i'm in it to do this there were no niceties yeah <laughs> with frank zappa he always cut right to the chase so let's play some frank zappa this one's dirty love it's on the mixtape on 90.3 krnu give me your dirty love like you might surrender to some dragon in your dreams Give me your dirty love Like a pink donation to the dragon in your dreams I don't need your sweet devotion And I don't want your cheap emotion Rip me up some dragon lotion For your dirty love Your dirty love Give me your dirty love like some tacky little pamphlet in your daddy's bottom drawer. Give me your dirty love. I don't believe you've never seen his book before. I don't need no consolation. I don't want your reservation. I only got one destination, and that's your dirty love. Your dirty love. Come on, friends, you're gonna 
Welcome back to The Mixtape, and this week we are talking about Laurel Canyon, and I'm here with Barney McCoy. Thank you so much for talking Great about Great to be it. here. I'm so excited. I love this music. We've been playing some music from Laurel Canyon, started with Frank Zappa, and just played The Birds, so you want to be a rock and roll star. So let's talk about The Birds for a minute. Well, Chris Hillman was the one who wrote that song and bass player for The, for the Birds. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you know, we talk about a family tree because then you see... Um, members of the birds who migrate into, you know, Poco, yep, Buffalo CSN Springfield, Crosby, Stills, you know, so and we kind of see this family tree play itself out in our, our song list today, but... We're going to stop short of calling it incestuous, because <laughs> they're not actually related, but there is a lot yes. of... Is it, yeah. <laughs> the Venn a diagram's a circle. <laughs> exactly. What is it about the bird's sound that you think went on to influence all of these other bands? Because well, they really did. Yeah. I think that certainly you had uh, Graham Nash uh, bringing in a lot of uh, international musical influences mm-hmm. from, from Great Britain, from, uh, people who came here and stayed here and uh, themselves were able to push their own musical boundaries through their associations with people that they met in places like Laurel Canyon and mm-hmm. Los Angeles. So I, I thought it was, a it, in many regards, it was still very experimental. They were pushing the envelope. Uh, it was really interesting to see, again, how you get these various musical influences, folk. Mm. A lot of that comes through, obviously. Yes. But then you get some rock. And uh, you want to be in a rock and roll band. And I think the other thing is, is that is really an anthem for the lifestyle. Yeah. That a lot of these musicians were, I mean, this is what I want to do. This is, I am free. I get to go where I want. I get to take the drugs I want. I'm going to Mama Cass's uh, house. Yeah. has got everything. <laughs> yeah. And they're, but they're really able to express themselves personally and certainly musically and professionally. And where else in the world could you do something like that? There just weren't many places like that. You could mm-hmm. go up the road to San Francisco. I hate Ashbury, but yep. it was a totally different music scene up yes. there. British bands, British artists, they come over, they tour, and they do shows in the L.A. area yeah. and kind of start folding into that scene. The Birds are a nice example of how we kind of transitioned from um, what the Birds were, which is more of like a Beatles-esque kind of thing, Certainly into what you, the you Birds pick it up became. Here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You can hear that come through. Mm-hmm. And yet, in so many other ways, they really were pushing, you know, in terms of the... Started growing their hair longer. And longer plays on their albums yep. and 
breaking it down, coming back. You know, obviously there was a reflection of the drugs they were taking in that music, sure. too. Um, but no, I mean, so you, this was 1967, and you think about politically where we were at time. You know, we're in the Vietnam War. You know, we're beginning to see uh, Americans, young Americans, really trying to find themselves from the establishment. And But there was also people weren't just listening to music because they liked the music. They like the message. They like the message. message was very personal. So much political yeah. unrest, right. which is kind of the perfect transition to Buffalo Springfield. Because the song we're going to play is For What It's Worth. And I think people know that song. It's been in a million movies. It's been in commercials. It's very familiar. But if you sit and you listen to what that song is about, what did that mean to you at oh, that moment? I lived that song. I grew up in Lawrence, Kansas in the late 60s, and we had racial unrest. Mm. We had martial law where the National Guard was patrolling because we had riots. We had the student union was burned down. We had a bomb explode on campus. We had people that were being shot and killed. Mm. So this was in the streets, and, and, and this, you can really feel that sense. There's something happening here. Yes, and, and that certainly comes through with this song by Buffalo Springfield. Yeah. And it's a great one, so let's do it now. For what it's worth, it's Buffalo Springfield on the mixtape on 90.3 KRNE. There's something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I've got to beware Make it time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody, look what's going down. There's battle lines being drawn. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speak in their minds. I'm getting so much resistance from behind Time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down What a field day for the heat A thousand people in the street Singing songs and they carry signs. Mostly say hooray for our side. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going Your life, it will creep It starts when you're always afraid Step out of line, the man come And take you away You better stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down You better stop, now, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Thank you. 
90.3 KRNU. Welcome back to the mixtape. This episode of the mixtape is a mixtape for you about Laurel Canyon, which is a place just outside Los Angeles. Uh, And I'm joined by Barney McCoy to talk a little bit about what Laurel Canyon is and what this kind of music that came out of Laurel Canyon in the late 60s meant to people who were teenagers in those days. Yeah, Yeah, it was. uh, I mean, we were able to identify so strongly with all these different sounds. You know, it was the Motown sound from Detroit, for example, and West Coast sound. It was going to be Haight-Ashbury, Jefferson Starship, or Jefferson Airplane back in the day. You know, <laughs> people, uh, a lot of the folks who were living and recording music in Los Angeles, but living up in Laurel Canyon, up in you know the Santa Monica Mountains. So let's take a moment and talk about the difference, as you perceive it, between like the Haight-Ashbury scene and Laurel Canyon. Because for people who are who were not alive during sure. that time. Yeah, it can all kind yeah. of blend together like just a California sure. sound, sound yeah. but they are different. Very much so. Um, San Francisco, and they were both destinations, by the way. Mm. I mean, people were looking for themselves by leaving the cities that they grew up in, and they're trying to identify themselves. What, what am I going to do? Right. Um, you know, the, California's yeah. historically a liberal bastion, but also right. the weather's nice. Yeah, Who doesn't want to go? The weather is nice. You know, I mean, I grew up, you know, my first influence from California was probably the Beach Boys. You sure. Know, and that whole, the whole, you know, West Coast beach sound. They made it seem pretty great. Little old they ladies. <laughs> exactly. I mean, even yeah. the little old ladies were having a good time. But then, you know, then you really get a lot of, of young Americans who are looking at what's happening politically in this country. And uh, again, the Vietnam War was, you know, there was a draft in place. You mm. didn't have a choice if you were a young man about whether you might be drafted and, you know, be putting your life at risk, serving in a a war that a lot of people were questioning the purpose of that war. And there were a lot of young men who probably were not wanting to go to college or destined to go to college, if that's even a real thing, who enrolled in college as a deferment, right? Um, There were a lot of people who skipped the country. Yep. So, and then you had this evolution of drugs that were taking place, and a lot of that, you know, Timothy Leary, LSD, that's part of it. It was really more about, you know, the power of love in Northern California Uh and, you know, again, people who be free to be yourself, flavor and feel to that mm. uh, as, as, as there is a distinctly different feel from San Francisco and its history uh, to Los Angeles, which has always been more businesslike. I want to pivot to the Mamas and the Papas. People remember that band from California Dreamin', right? That's just the oh, song. It blew me away. Such a great song. It's the harmonies. I mean, there were so many bands, so many people doing really nice, rich, thick harmonies, but the Mamas and the Papas were different. Well, you know, Phil Spector, they, they talked about the wall of sound, but, but to me, when I heard the Mamas and the Papas in California Dreaming for the first time, that wall of sound that they created was through their vocals and yes. the harmonies that you just talked about. And it's this just incredible description of why I've left this cold and forbidding place <laughs> and I went to the West Coast. And, you know, it was, it, it, so it was an analogy for lots of different things, you know, far beyond the weather. Um, and just, again, I'm, I'm looking for that place where I can reside that lets me be me. The Mamas and the Papas music really likes to leave lots of yeah. room for those vocal oh, yeah. plays. Yeah, and again, here's the folk influences coming through. But you're right, and it forces you to really stop and think about it. And of course, 
the flute. Yes, <laughs> that old flute the flute. Line. You know, it, it's like the thread that runs through it all, and it's very subtle, but at the same time, it, it for me anyway, it really captured my attention. Yeah. Let's start with California Dreamin' because, you know, it's the hit. Everybody loves it. Here's California Dreamin'. It's the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU. All the leaves
It is the mixtape, and that was two from the Mamas and the Papas, California Dreaming, and then Words of Love, which is more of a Mama Cass jam. Well, that's what she, that was, I would say, a a defining solo for her uh, with the backing of of, of the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, But, I mean, she was in control. She had incredible confidence. She knew who she was. Uh, she was a woman of large stature, mm-hmm. and yet she was completely comfortable in her own bones. And everyone knew that who lived out in, in Laurel Canyon. And she was the epicenter in many regards of what was happening socially, musically. Uh, she was an influence. We are here with broadcasting professor Barney McCoy talking a little bit about the Laurel Canyon scene. And tell me what it was about Mama Cass for you. Her voice to me was just, it was, it, it was spot on. Mm-hmm. And she had a very unique, it was almost like a Broadway musical voice. And yet, it, it, but she was able to adapt it. Uh, into into the music that was coming out through that era, but but it was brassy in a lot of regards, and certainly uh, when you heard her sing, you it, it was it was impossible to think of anybody else that sounded like Mama Cass because mm-hmm. she was an, she had such command, she had presence, and that came through her vocals, I think. I agree. There's something about performers, and I I kind of think of people like Bette Midler and people who have those very musical theater tendencies, but just existing as threads through yeah. their voice. Yeah. And uh, she was a diva. I mean, yeah. think about it. In many regards, she, I mean, she was respected, uh, not just for her musical acumen, but just for where she was at socially. She was very outspoken. Uh, she was freewheeling. Uh, people said she was a slob. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, there's a, you know, here's the backstory. I think it was Michelle Phillips. Uh, no, yeah, it was Michelle Phillips who said that she went over one time to Mama Cass's place, and no one was home. So she just walked in. She said there was a huge jar of mayonnaise that was just shattered and lying on the floor. And she goes, oh, I, I just, I had to clean up the whole place. I just couldn't stand seeing that. But that was Mama Cass. You know, she, she, she lived in her own kind of chaos, if mm. you will. You know, everyone kind of has her story about who put together Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. We'll come to that later. But she's the person who really is credited with telling these musicians, you know what, you guys should get together. Mm -hmm. Well, let's come to it now, because the next song we're going to play is actually from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. So uh, Neil Young came to the United States from Canada driving a hearse. Yes, yeah. (laughs) And the famous story is that he he came, and I can't remember, I think it was Stephen Stills, but... um, that they saw him and they didn't know what he was going to be driving or whatever. And that he's just this giant Canadian guy with these huge mutton chops driving a hearse. And they just saw him driving around town. They're like, Oh, that that's gotta be Neil Young. <laughs> that's gotta be him. Oh, Never right. met him, right. but that's gotta be him in the yeah. hearse. Yeah. Well, again, think about it. I mean, all of these people in that period of time, I think it was, um, 
Glenn Fry with the uh, the Eagles. Mm. He went up to the Canyon store and he says, the first person I saw, you know, there's there's David Crosby standing on the front porch and he's got this wide brim hat on. He's got the same cape he had on one of the album covers. Right. He goes, I couldn't believe it. They were all trying to outfringe <laughs> each other at this moment. So David Crosby, Stephen Stills, Graham Nash, Neil Young. You know, you put these musicians together, and, and in their own right, they were all pretty good musicians. You know, Stephen Stills, a great guitar player. Yes. Um, and, and, but, and they all had their own influences on that band. But just their harmonies are most memorable to me, and I think a lot of people. It was that sound. Well, it's interesting that you say that because a lot of their most famous songs, their most famous works are really so stripped down instrumentally. And many of them are just acoustic instruments and yeah. voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can listen to their music in the middle of a crowded airport, you know, with your earbuds on, and you feel like it's just you and that music. Everything else shuts out. Here's our house. It's CSNNY on 90.3 KRNU, the mixtape. I'll light the fire. You place the flowers in the vase that you bought today Staring at the fire for hours and hours While I listen to you play your love songs Bought 
90.3 KRNU, this is The Mixtape, and this episode of our weekly show, The Mixtape, lands us in Laurel Canyon, which is an area uh, just north of L.A., where a lot of musicians in the late 60s kind of lived and worked and had like a real musical hippie love fest. Exactly, and kind of like the musicians themselves, Laurel Canyon was just kind of this winding, you know, uh, assortment of houses on stilts that were up in the canyons, and um, and so, in many regards, because of all the winding roads, and it was kind of up in the, the mountains, and there was lots of, you know, flora, um, you know, it was just a really comfortable p- place for people to be able to have their own privacy, you know, I mean, just a few minutes up the road from Sunset Boulevard. Our house, though, I mean, that's Graham Nash. He wrote that song. He was sharing a house at the time with Joni Mitchell, who we'll get to in a second mm. here. And, um, I mean, it just really describes just that how calming it was. Uh, living with Graham Nash, doing that whole thing, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. But Joni Mitchell is not just kind of a footnote to the Graham Nash story. So let's talk about Joni in sure, her own yeah. right. Well, she would, the thing about Joni Mitchell, her brilliance was just there. And mm-hmm. it was indisputable, not just as a her voice, but as a writer and composer. I mean, she was the complete package. Yeah. And I think uh, this is a great story. This is like where um, David Crosby... Uh, you know, he pins Guinevere. Yes. And he, he takes it to Joni Mitchell and uh and he goes he goes, Man, I, I love Guinevere and I thought it was so out and it was. Yeah. Beautiful piece, beautiful song. And he was so proud of it. And he and he wanted to show it to Joni Mitchell because he really respected her. Of course. And and he shows it to her. And Joni was very self-deprecating. I mean, she was just incre- still is today, just beautiful. And she goes, oh, I love that so much. She goes, I've got five songs just like it that are in the same vein. <laughs> and, and David Crosby goes, and I listened to them, and they were all better than Guinevere. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> really so, taking the sales out yeah, of the cross. And coming from David Crosby, that admission, that tells you just how incredible a musician and composer Joni Mitchell is, not was, but still is today. Here's both sides now. It's 90.3 KRNU, the mixtape. of angel hair and ice cream castles in the air and feather canyons everywhere I've looked at clouds that weave but now they only block the sun they rain and snow
Welcome back to The Mixtape. It's the weekly hour-long show where we make a mix for you. And this week, you get to hear the stories and you get to hear them with Barney McCoy. So thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure to be here. A lot of fun. So I want to pivot a little bit musically because we've kind of... Uh, covered a lot of artists that are really that Laurel Canyon sound. But you also chose The Doors to talk about in the Laurel Canyon episode. And that does feel different to me. So tell me about that. I just, every time I listen to The Doors, and particularly Jim Morrison, uh, the lead vocalist with The Doors, um, I I felt like he really captured, uh, again, from a different kind of organic part of the equation, what was happening in Los Angeles. It was still nitty-gritty, and occasionally it was more reflective. But, um, you know, I thought Jim Morrison and The Doors had such a unique sound. There's nothing I thought, no band before or since, it sounded quite like The Doors. Yeah. Um, a lot of organ, 
uh, yes. play in their music, you know. So and, much organ. Yeah, you know, you don't hear necessarily so much of a, a bass line, but the organ picks up that bass line in a lot of their songs, and it's kind of that driving force, if you will. I do think you're exactly right. There is there's a grit to L.A., and the Doors kind of, they, they do have sort of that love thing going on, but it's it's sexier. It's more... It's jaded. I mean, Morrison is jaded. Is jaded. It's, it's like, I know what it's like to be in the gutter, pick yourself off. Because that's the yeah, other side right. of this <laughs> equation. Yeah. Moving across the country, right. finding yourself, yeah. that all seems wonderful. But it's not the way it worked out for most people who did that. Good point, yeah. Can and, you imagine just like mowing your lawn and Jim Morrison being out <laughs> well, there getting the paper? Yeah, I mean, literally, you could walk down the streets of yeah. Laurel Canyon and, oh, there's Mama Cass. You know, there's... <laughs> There's there's David Crosby, there's Joni Mitchell. Oh, hey. But so Morrison lived right behind the Canyon store, so he he saw these people coming and going, <laughs> you know, as well as himself. And and so Love Street is really about that. It's about this street. It's Love Street, the doors on 90.3 KRNU, Laurel Canyon mixtape. She lives on Love Street, lingers long on Love Street. Has a house and garden. I would like to see what happens. She has robes and she has monkeys, lazy diamond studded flunkies. She has wisdom and knows. store where the creatures meet I wonder what they do in there summer Sunday and a year I guess I like it fine so far I would like to see what happens. 
93.3 KRNU. This is the mixtape. Every week we have an hour-long mixtape, which is also available to you on Spotify. So you can uh, play it in your car after you listen to this episode. And I'm joined by Barney McCoy, who's a professor here at UNL in the J School in broadcasting, right? Exactly. What's the full What's the full title? Did I get it? Um, uh, sort of. I mean, yeah. I'm a professor <laughs> of broadcasting. I do multimedia. Um, I do documentaries. Um, and I love music. And that's why we settled on Laurel Canyon, because even though it is a very, very small geographic area, big sounds came out of Laurel Canyon. Yeah. And, uh, and, and sounds, uh, you know, it's the back music track for everyone who grew up in that era. I want to talk a little bit about Jackson Brown, because Jackson Brown, um, I, I wouldn't say he gets a bad reputation, but he gets a little bit of a sanitized reputation for what he ended up doing kind of in the 80s, and it got a little shinier, got yeah. a little yeah. cleaner. Right, yeah. I, um, You know, but again, here was somebody who was looking for a way to uh, explore as, as a composer and as a musician. You know, he was really more of a composer on the front side. And I think more of a musician on the backside. Mm. Uh, and he wrote a lot of great stuff. You know, he penned a lot of, of, of thoughtful stuff. You know, Jackson Brown, um, he was in the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Yeah. And then he wrote songs for a lot of other people. And like you said, approaching it from a composer standpoint. And L.A. is famous for that, having these yep. lovely songwriters or studio musicians who then go on to kind of break out on their own oh. because they're finding that they're writing material that just isn't captured by right. someone else well, and so they kind of do it on their again, own again too a lot of these you know we talked about people going out and hanging out uh uh at mama cass's house and mm -hmm. socializing and stuff like that but at the same time you know they're they're pinning music they're composing and they're sharing that with each other and they're saying hey what do you think about this how does this sound so they were all there and and so again that's where those music influences were i mean literally all i mean in some cases living in the same house with each other and you could hear the music that you know Jackson Brown was trying to bang out on his piano upstairs if you were Glenn Fry living downstairs. <laughs> you know, People are probably most familiar with Running on Empty. Yeah. So why Dr. My Eyes? Again, to me, it just it, it represents um, this reflectiveness of the era that was going on here. And how do I put this into context with uh, what I'm experiencing personally in my own personal life? Jackson Brown, he wore his heart on his sleeve a lot in the songs that he composed. And, and so part of that, I think, comes through here, clearly. But I think there's also, again, there's this analogy with what these artists are experiencing personally and what's been happening you know, across the country generationally in right. that period of time. From a very micro standpoint, what am I doing? Who am I? And larger, who are we right. as a nation? So, Jackson Brown, it's Dr. My Eyes on 90.3 KRNU, the Laurel Canyon mixtape. Dr. My Eyes have seen the years and the slow parade of fears without crying. Now I want to understand. I have done all that I could to see the Tell me what is wrong Was I unwise? 
And I'm your host, Casey. I'm here with Barney McCoy, and we're talking about Laurel Canyon this week. We played Jackson Brown, Dr. My Eyes, into the Eagles' Take It Easy, which is just like the smoothest of transitions. Those two songs are so perfect together. They should just be hooked anyway. Well, okay, so Jackson Brown, right? He composed, I mean, he's the one who basically composed the lyrics to that song, but, but he and Glenn Fry are living in the same house. Jackson Brown goes to Glenn Fry, and he goes, okay, I've got the lyrics built out to this point, but I'm just. I'm looking for something for this hook here. And, right. and Glenn Fry goes, okay, uh, Winslow, Arizona, I'm such a fine sight to see. There's a girl, my Lord. In a bright red Ford. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, and so he, he throws that in there, and Jackson Brown goes, that's it. That's it. That crystallizes everything. <laughs> that, I can visualize what that was like mm-hmm. even today with that music and so again that's that's an example of how all these influences were fitting together and of course the eagles take that and run with it yeah don henley coming in oh. with that super high part oh Ooh. Yeah. yeah and there's and so the harmonies much, again the right harmonies are great and <laughs> yeah. the banjo on that song oh, gets me every time yeah. what outstanding not just in terms of their vocals but what musical talent yes. there was yes they were a force to be reckoned with in the early 1970s i'm, I'm i am graduating from high school what do I want to do? 
I don't know. I'm going to go go on the road. I'm going to go yeah. hitchhike up to Spokane, Washington. I'm going to spend a summer up there. I don't know if I want to go to college, but that was my anthem song. You know, take it easy. Right. It's just go out there and find it. And, you know, and I got burned and I'm going to go, you know, <laughs> rediscover my heart again. Well, and generationally, you're a young person and you've watched the greatest generation. So your parents' generation, this, the lyric, don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Because I really think that there was something to this idea of the boomers looking at their parents going, I can't live like this. It's breaking free. I can't if live like this. You're really, exactly. And every generation yeah. Yeah. does that. Oh, every yeah. generation goes through it. I was it. a rebel. At that stage of my life, having these screaming matches with my parents, not because they were really wrong. Yeah. It's because I just wanted to f- be free to try and figure it out for myself. And so that was my rebelliousness. But that's why Take It Easy in so many regards was that anthem for me during that difficult period of my time, of yeah. my life. We want to kind of wrap up the mixtape this week with something a little bit different. So we had a lot of things that are very much in the same vein. And you wanted to finish with Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, she just brings it home. You know, her voice is just uh, it's magical. And yet, you know, she, she came out of the same scene. She was, you know, grew up Arizona, West Coast, had been out there. She knew the scene. She was smart enough to try and not be romantically remo- involved with any of these guys. <laughs> She's that were the, the, like the only one yeah, who yeah, was and, smart yeah, enough. And a lot of members of the Eagles, you know, they used to be her backing up band. You know, they, they, were, they were playing, you know, as her backup band. I love the, and certainly it's not, um, across the board equality, but the status of women in the Laurel Canyon scene was more of a meritocracy. And if you had the good songs, if you had the best songs, then they were the best songs. And and again, I I would say you think about who were the undisputed kings and queens of Laurel Canyon. (laughs) Here's Linda Ronstadt, It's Faithless Love on 90.3 KRNU, the mixtape.
And you, in this episode of the mixtape about Laurel Canyon, we have spent an hour delving into the stories, the bands, the artists that made Laurel Canyon what it was. And thank you so much, Barney McCoy, oh, for joining it's been a me, pleasure. talking about all this music. I, I love it. I love this Spotify playlist. You forced me to dredge up old memories, you know, <laughs> but, but nostalgia is there. And I think, you know, you don't have to have been from that generation no. to still feel the influences, I think, that a lot of these artists were pumping out of, of Laurel Canyon of Los Angeles during that era of time. Yeah. And you can always learn a lot from it, too. So um, listen to Buffalo Springfield today. <laughs> Thank you again for joining me, Barney. Great to be here. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, Casey. And check us out next week on The Mixtape. This is 90.3 KRNU. Interrupting all programs.